Welcome back, everyone, to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and I am joined by... Beth, returned. Sam, still here. And I'm still recovering from that fantastic, incredible joke Justin just told. Justin, why don't you share that with everyone? Yeah. No. Okay. Oh, it was such a good one, though. <laughs> now, did you have that prepared before the really good joke Justin made about how high houses can jump? Or was that was that off the dome? I will I will never tell. Oh, also, I'm Caleb. <laughs> Hi, Caleb. The gang's all uh, here. Yeah, things operating <laughs> as expected. Uh, we are continuing Well of Ascension today. This is our second episode of the book proper, uh, where we covered the rest of part one. Uh, a whole six chapters, which I believe is going to be our biggest segment chapter count-wise. Uh, but one of those chapters was only 650 words, so it all balances out. Yeah. That was a short weird one. <laughs> yeah. How are we all doing getting into this book proper? It's the pieces good. are set. The dominoes are being put upward. Yeah, I can see the stages being set. Um, uh, a lot of the things I'm already liking more than final empire i still like more and then a couple of things i like less than final empire i still like less uh but it's balancing out for me to still be enjoying it good to hear yeah there's a, a couple things i'm a little baffled about and we'll talk about it we'll we'll get there we'll, we'll get into it <laughs> get there all right uh, i think without further ado we just want to get uh get into what we read this this segment and see what happens let's do it uh, so we had a brief preview of our first epigraph as we started our, or as we ended our last episode. Uh, but we see it here. Uh, this is a snippet of this is what we saw on the back of the book, uh, that our author here writes this record, pounding it into a metal slab. And that uh, the author is concerned that if Elendi does return from the well, uh, then he will probably die. The the author that is, Quan. So I did notice something here, um, and small detail. I don't know if they've already done this or not. Is this the first time that any of our um, Skadrielian people have referred to themselves as human? Um, I'm not sure. I think that was probably just taken for granted. Yeah, I mean, I figured as much, but uh, but it is interesting that that it's the same kind of demonym in on Skadriel. Human. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I remember when I was reading Hunger Games, and I'm glad they didn't do this, and I, I would have thought it was dumb, but I was in the middle of reading the third book, and I was like, man, if they throw in some twist at the end where Katniss just mentions having a tail in the epilogue, and it's a reveal that they're actually aliens and not humans at all, that would be wild. And not in a good way, but wild. <laughs> or just like halfway through the first book, um, you know, it's like they're in the middle of the they've never discussed this before at all and then someone's sneaking up on her and then you read Katniss's whiskers twitched <laughs> and then you close the book and you're done <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> out of here I'm trying to think I don't think Brandon has ever maybe in like a short story that he put online or something I'm trying to think if he's ever done any plot twists that revolve around simply not telling the reader some basic piece of information it can be done well but it can, it can also be done, be done well. very frustratingly 
Yeah, and it's also interesting that I feel like a good amount of the first third of Final Empire is actually a lot of that, of the characters knowing way more than the audience does, especially whenever it's Kelsey or when, when it's Vin, we're That's all finding true. out a lot along with her. Um, but never to the point of like shock value and, oh, this completely rewrites everything I was thinking about. Right. It's more just teasing you with the information that you know you'll be getting eventually, but you don't get right now. So you just end up screaming at Kelsier's thoughts as he's like, mm-hmm. he tried not to think about that. Right. No, Kelsier, do! I would like do for you to think, think about, about it, it a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is a really interesting epigraph to start with, and it did make me want to go back. And by want to, I mean I did go back uh, <laughs> to Final Empire and compare some notes um, where we mm-hmm. get Alendi's point of view on this very topic. And Alendi does admit that yeah, if I did find Quan, I probably would have him executed. Yep. Um, however, it's also worth noting that in that epigraph, it's kind of an afterthought. And Alendi is definitely still focused on other stuff. He's like, yeah, I'd probably have him executed. But it's definitely not at the top of his mind. Whereas Quan is like, oh man, if Alendi ever gets out, I am right. dead. I am done for. He's coming for me. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, it's not... It's, it's a very subtle way of just showing how these two people are like very clearly going through some of the same experiences that have shared some of the same experiences and they see things in ways that are not incongruent, but just have a slightly different lens on things. Um, the idea that Quan is correct, but he seems to think that he is more important in Alendi's eyes than Alendi actually thinks he is. Um, is just really interesting. And that also actually, I'll just wait for another epigraph there's not a specific one this thought pertains to, but I want to vary it up. So I have more thoughts on the epigraphs, but I'll get back to it later. <laughs> All right, we'll get there then. So we start into uh, a scene right after we we left off where uh, Ham and Vin were going to do some sparring just to kind of keep, uh, keep on top of things. Uh, and so we are with Ellen uh, watching this sparring match. And some of this is just a, you know, a good old elementic fight. Uh, although Vin is uh, restraining herself and only relying on Pewter to make this a, a little more of a fair exchange. And we also get to see Ellen observing and also interacting with some other characters who show up. Though I will note that uh, it is kind of funny that I described it as a uh, a fair exchange when Ellen, the, the first thing that he notices is that physically Vin is vastly outmatched in this <laughs> exercise here. Ham's a big boy. Ham is a big, a big boy, boy, and Vin is not. You want a big boy, you want a little boy. The little boy. The chapter starts off with Ellen reiterating his thing of like, uh, I, I wish I could go practice, but I just don't see the point. I, there are so many circumstances where it would be helpful to have your king have the slightest ability to defend himself. If Vin is fighting, like, four Alamancers, and she's taking care of most of them, but then the smoker gets through, and the smoker has a knife, Ellen, you should probably know how to defend yourself, so you might be able to survive. But no, he would die if the smoker got past Vin's defenses, even though the smoker would have no other use in combat. Ellen would die to a normal person with a knife. Please take some self-defense classes. Yeah. Or at least enough to kill time until somebody could back him right. up. You know? Right, like Vin can probably come save the day in moments once she realizes that you're in trouble, but you need to you need to not just get stabbed and fall over. Yeah, buy yourself a couple of seconds. It was the only useful thing you did last book. 
All right. So so some things haven't changed here. So they they begin their their combat, uh, and Elland is joined uh, first by Clubs, uh, who begins uh, his appearance in this book by gambling on combat amongst his friends. Uh, he takes probably the easy side of this and uh, and bets on Vin, uh, and Elland is like, "You want me to bet against her?" But he does. Guess I'm gonna bet against her. Uh, is this our first time in? both books really seeing clubs on his own i think we saw him like frown and scowl but this (laughs) you know i feel like he hadn't talked before this is really our first this is the one-on-one scene we didn't get last time where every other member of the crew got a one-on-one with vin now clubs has at least a little bit of a one-on-one with ellen where we actually get to like see what he's like Mm -hmm. for two pages um which is nice. I, I, I think he was very clearly um, undersold a little bit by the plot of Final Empire, and I'm happy he's he's getting at least a couple moments here that we can we can get some more of that personality. Also, he's the general that he is, and he he has uh, opinions on the army here. And I feel like I predicted he'd be the general. I don't remember doing it. <laughs> I I remember we had a uh, we had a bit of a debate when Kelsier had assigned everyone roles in his his letter that he left that there there was definitely some uh there were some thoughts on hang on why didn't you have this person do that yeah i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that i i wouldn't be surprised if brandon also uh realized that he didn't give clubs as much as as he could have because he will he will play a larger part in this book than the last so we'll we'll definitely be seeing more of him which i like yeah, is his like dialogue word count in this chapter feels equal to his dialogue word count throughout the entirety of the final empire. I don't have the patience to check on that, but I kind of want to know. Yeah, I didn't want to dunk on it, but you said he's going to have more to do in this book. He already kind of has done more in this book than he did in final empire. <laughs> yeah. By betting on a fight. Uh all right, so rapidly after that we are joined by everyone's favorite it's Spook. Spook is back. <laughs> Spook. Yeah, I'm happy he's here. Wearing a is sketchy he? fake beard. <laughs> I mean, Apologies is he back? Well received. Who's this? What, what? Listen, listen, listen. This guy's great. This guy's the life of the party. He's fun. He's got those quirks. This ain't. This isn't Spook. This is just like some new guy. It's like wow. a different guy. I didn't think Sam would become the, the bigger fan of Lestaborns than me within one chapter, but here we are. This isn't Lestaborns. This is like Brandon has recast Spook, so I need to later. Like, this is not the same guy. He's he's a teenager going through one of the most eventful experiences of his life. He might change a little bit in the span of a year. Yeah. Both, both the overthrowing of the godled of empire and also puberty it changes a man. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> Spook in the last book was a painfully shy weirdo, and now suddenly he's a confident, brash, tall, well-spoken teenager. And I know that like people change fast at that age, but like that's that's. A lot of growing up in a very short amount of time. 
I love that tall was on your list of unrealistic changes. <laughs> I, I don't know. But I do have a new casting I, I mean, for him, this, so we'll get to that. This rings true for middle school Beth becoming high school Beth. I mean, yeah. that wasn't exactly the life of the party. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take on that particular set of adjectives, but... Oh, middle school was bad and high school was decent, and I feel that feels correct here. Yeah, I also had no personality in middle school and then had a semblance of a personality in high school. <laughs> my, my middle school personality was, oh god, oh no, what's happening? We, we have more podcast host lore. Yeah, forget the copper mind. I feel like most of our podcast host lore is that uh, that middle school sucked. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was very bad. It was bad. All right, so yeah, Spook has has arrived. Uh, he's now sixteen. Uh, he has mostly dropped the the Eastern slang, though. Uh, throws a, a line in there, uh, quote for the occasional nostalgic quip, and he is uh, he's in disguise. He, he's got a, a a soldier's uniform and a fake beard. He says that the the mundane spies need to do things the old fashioned way. Turns out that uh, he might have stolen this uniform because Clubs wants to know where the hell he got it from. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a old reunion here. Breeze, however, at this point is still notably MIA, mysteriously gone. Hmm. But there's rumors spreading. I have a theory. <laughs> Was this theory perhaps proposed before you read just another I couple think... of chapters? No. Okay. Breeze will be showing up by the end of part one. Although to be fair, either the either the rumors that Spook thinks are being spread were spread by a new character that we would later meet, or were spread by Breeze, who is conspicuously absent. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he wouldn't just be like, somebody did that. Seems like an important plot element. And it is. But I did not predict it ahead of time. Okay. So as uh, as clubs predicted, the fight escalates in intensity. Uh, the ending, uh, Sam described for us with some some beautiful words. Vin can jump high. Everyone's speculating how she jump so high. How do she... How do she jump so high? How she do? Vin can add to her resume seven foot vertical leap, which is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. She's like a bug. <laughs> yeah, well, for some reason, when I picture this scene, I just hear a, like, sproing sound effect in my head. <laughs> Has activated a power-up. <laughs> exactly. It's like jumping off a, a, like, bounce platform springy thing in Sonic. If you mm-hmm. hold down the A button, you can jump over Ham. Try it now. <laughs> Ham actually does uh, compare this to Vin being like an insect. Uh, they, yeah. uh, they're they discussing, and, and Ham's theory, at least, is that uh, pewter, it increases your strength. Uh, and the amount that it increases your strength isn't necessarily related to your physical body mass. And so Vin, uh, being the small girl that she is, with the assistance of Pewter, can do these gigantic jumps when Ham would, if Ham was doing this, he would get a more impressive jump, but not, you know, a seven foot vertical. 
So Vin now joins the uh, the group here, uh, makes fun of Spook's beard. So apparently ribbing on Spook is still a bit of a pastime. Yeah, but now he mouths back. Yeah. And not with garbage. <laughs> well, sometimes with garbage. You but... just decided you liked him. Stop bullying him. No, I'm I'm bullying old him. You I'm bullying young, to... <laughs> awkward Spook. I'm bullying Lesterborns. I'm bullying middle school Lesterborns. One of okay, I that would by that comparison, <laughs> that's no valid. When you hear my casting, you'll you'll realize that yeah, I've got respect for Spook, but you will regret it's your words weird. and actions. <laughs> Sam will remember. And my castings, we'll see. So in this exchange, uh, Vin learns that uh, that Ellen uh, bet against her and lost. Uh, Ellen claims he was bullied into it, which was kind of true. But you know he's king, so that <laughs> that should that shouldn't work. Have you ever seen Club Skull though? Mm, fair. We get some uh, some kind of friendly banter. It, it's friendly banter. It bothers me a little. Uh, in on page eighty one. It, Vin says you bet against me um, and that's the last thing she says for the rest of the scene and it's just a page and a half of them talking about her while she just watches and it just it just felt a little bit weird the the weird talking around Vin while she is present yeah no I, I see that I don't know I mean she a lot of the group meetings or group banter sessions in the last book she didn't particularly participate in i i get that it's different when she is the subject of the banter but yeah that's the main thing for me but didn't didn't rub me quite the same the wrong way so they wrap this conversation up uh head on their ways uh, and we go to later that night uh checking back in with or sir the chandra who is now and dog doggy <laughs> He's mad about it. <laughs> he is, which is apparently uh, somewhat unusual that he's being so forthright about his feelings about this situation. But he says right out, it is offensive and, de- and degrading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember what I was talking last episode of I wonder how Aura Sur feels about this? We have our answer. Yeah, he hates it. <laughs> wonder to war. <laughs> and then Ellen's like, well, hell yeah, he's going to do it anyway. It's all It's all good. It's all in the contract, baby. Mm-hmm. We do get, uh, in the meantime, we get some interesting Condra uh, shape-shifting info, though, uh, in that Orser is apparently talented enough. He's been doing this long enough. We said he, he says it's offensive and, de- and degrading because he has not just replicated the dog that Vin brought in, uh, but made adjustments so he can do things like talk. So this is, in-universe, a talking dog. Hell yeah. I do think that is actually kind of neat that like he he has to adjust the anatomy to be able to talk like a person. And this is one of those things that if they do adapt it, I, I would want to get like a like a a biologist to come in and make sure that the way he talks matches up with how mm. like I would he still like has that, to have yeah. dog lips. Right. So right. it's still going to sound different than a, than a human talking. It shouldn't just be the mouth is opening and a normal human voice is coming out. But I don't know. I think it would just be an interesting exercise to see what a voice would sound like if it has a human-esque voice box, but still the mouth of a dog, what that would sound like. I would just, I would just be curious what, like, what, that, what a researcher would think about that. 
Yeah, this would be a, a kind of a weird contrast where you have like in a movie, this is like a like a like Lion King CGI talking animal in a, a straightforward live action like human performers movie. And if you mm-hmm. don't get that right, it would be very weird. Exactly. Very and you stupid, also yeah. in the in the Lion King one, it's like, well, yeah, they're all talking animals, so there's kind of a it's not literally magic, but you it's just like, yeah, it's movie stuff. Right. Because this is a movie about talking animals. But now that we have a like biological thing talking about like this is why the dog is able to speak, I would just yeah, I was just if I was a producer on the movie, I would want to bring in a scientist to be like, here's how it would actually work and look. Um, because I just think that's kind of neat to think about. I'm picturing two things here. Uh, first of all, you're right. Uh, you, you need to make sure this is as as realistic as a talking dog can be. But I'm just I'm picturing a producer going to a biologist and being like, hey, so uh, we have a dog and it needs to talk, and we yeah. want you to 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 make sure that if dog could talk, that dog would talk like this. That's that's how it works. There are scientists who are for a movie. They're official movie consultants who they're, they're professional scientists, but they are often just sought out for advice on how to make sure something is to a degree scientifically accurate. Um, happens a lot with space stuff specifically, but uh, biology stuff as well. It, like that's a, that's an actual job. It is, but I'm also picturing um, the, the biologist coming up on set and it being like that scene from Jurassic Park where uh, he, he blows into the Velociraptor's voice box. <laughs> It's like replicates the sound of a velociraptor on the dig site. <laughs> like all calm and reverent with a reproduction dog voice box <laughs> making it it, it would be a weird job. Noises. Definitely be a weird job. Yeah. But it's a job. It's real. Brandon has actually started employing a kind of ever increasing number of subject matter experts uh for consulting on mostly on stormlight books because he spends more time and effort on those Uh, but i think at this point in stormlight he has had multiple consultants on mental health and particular um, mental illnesses Uh, he's had a consultant on horses on medieval weaponry and strategy on i want to say something else yeah he he does go to a lot of different people actually for that kind of subject expertise god it must be so nice i i have dabbled with writing in the past my main writing outlet is dming for D. it must be so nice to be like hey i don't know how this thing works explain to me how it works instead of my dumbass just sitting here being like you're in a city now and this is how it's laid out because it is and it's important is it by a port no it's just important i don't know i'm not a city planner go see the queen the good thing about D &D is uh, it's it's magic that's why it's weird it's It's, magic it's magic um yeah it's magic writing a play that takes place in a space station is a whole lot of well i hope this is slightly (laughs) realistic because that's the vibe i'm going for here's the thing about knowing about castles you gotta know where to put your merlins and your cren- crenels? Crenels? Your, your, your sawtooth crenels. Yeah. Very important. Spoiler for later, we have discussions of medieval fortifications. Yes. Yes, Absolutely we do. Absolutely essential. 
All right, wrapping up chapter six here, uh, there's a kind of awkward uh, standoff between Vin and, and Orser, but they are going to have to work together because Vin is in charge and she says so. Uh, and they head off. We get to our chapter seven epigraph, which is a continuation of the previous one, uh, where we see that Quan is, is not just afraid of Alendi and his revenge, however much that might come, uh, but is afraid of what will happen uh, if his plans don't succeed. Uh, something worse even than the deepness. All right, I'm tagging in for the rest of my thoughts now. Do tell. First, uh, again, I was just looking through a lot of the epigraphs from Final Empire, and it's just so interesting to see Quan be writing all this down, because the first we learn about Quan from Alendi's epigraphs is that he is an eccentric who at one point is studying if trees could think. He's supposed mm -hmm. to just be this kind of wacky philosopher character. Um, so the fact that obviously this is, these epigraphs appear to be all written post-betrayal. So the idea that he is feeling the pressure and being a lot more stressed out makes sense. But it's just interesting to see that character from this perspective now. Um, and then I've also done some thinking um, with all this talk of, of, mist creepers which is which i will continue to call them until we learn what their proper name is um uh, all of the kind of spooky passages in the final empire line up a lot more all these talk of things in the mist you know getting st stung or bitten or, or changing after getting attacked um sounds a lot more like they might be these new creatures rather than mist wraiths because everything we know about mist wraiths is when they're young they're docile and when they're older, they have like a whole contract system. They seem pretty civilized as far as right. these mystical creatures are concerned. Um, which leads me, ties into one of my theories I've had before of the Lord Ruler being alive. Even though he was awful and terrible and needed to go, um, he was holding something back. And I do think um, he was holding, whatever that is, is tied to these new creatures that are appearing and apparently starting to kill people. Um, and I think that ties in with the Well of Ascension powers, because now we have Quan basically going, you know, if the Well of Ascension things goes bad, it appears they're already in a world that is not doing well, um, and perhaps is stalked by these mist creatures. Um, and then Lord Ruler uh, got his powers, and then those things went away for a while, and the main evil thing was the fact that there is an evil empire in town and now we have all this kind of supernatural stuff showing up again now that lord ruler's dead um so i don't know i just i just don't don't have a lot of like big theories aside from i think it's all connected all right we are rebuilding that was like, that was like four minutes of nothing i apologize for that well you've got to you've got to put up the the cork board so that yeah. you can start yeah. putting pushpins and string on it. Yeah, I'm putting I'm putting the pictures up, and I don't have a lot of string yet. Yeah, I'm putting the pictures I, up. I think you're putting the pushpins in. Yeah. All right. Uh, so chapter seven, uh, we are back to Sazed uh, and his efforts to kind of do his his mission after the the fall of the final empire. Uh, he's trying to to do some teaching. Uh, which is is kind of slow work and it's not really going like he thought it would but this is what he thinks that his mission is so he is going to try his best on it turns out even when the empire is destroyed 
kids hate school. Yeah, especially middle school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. Um, we do get confirmation of the most important thing of the entire book, which is that says uh, um, it is back to wearing his uh, colorful V-shaped patterns. He sure is. I just started looking at that v. sentence. The train just got out of earshot that I could scramble to unmute and shout V because it's the most important part of the chapter. Absolutely. Oh, the V. Good old V. So he's trying to make sense of the kind of new state of the world uh, and the, the rumors of mists during the day and all that. Uh, and then there's a a sudden plot twist that is then immediately untwisted uh, when a a field worker runs in and says that uh, he's come back, the Lord Ruler, paragraph break, not even a page break or a chapter break, uh, it's an Inquisitor, which is, you know, potentially a problem, but certainly not the Lord Ruler. And then you turn the page and you learn that it's Marsh. <laughs> Marsh. Yeah, that was a little silly of like, Lord Ruler's back, and then... Two paragraphs later, Lord Ruler was not back. Just the, the Arrested yeah. Development narrator comes in. He wasn't. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, Marsh is here. And this is kind of decidedly weird because he is still Marsh, the one who participated in the overthrow of the final empire. Uh, and he's also still a steel inquisitor. And that will always be deeply unsettling for anyone around him. Yeah. And he's here to signal that enemies are missing. Yeah, but then it's also kind of sad because at the end of Final Empire, he was still mostly Marsh and it was just, hey, some fucked up things happened to me and it sucks and I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And in this chapter, he's kind of getting lost in the sauce a little bit and he's little bit. talking like the rest of the Inquisitors did. And he even like says it, thinks to himself of like, oh, he's calling the other Inquisitors his brethren. That's 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 kind of weird. Yeah, it's not that's just worrying. his. It's not just his appearance that's unsettling anymore. He is now starting to kind of become what all of the other Inquisitors used to be. It seems like he's on the side of good for now, which is still wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, it's concerning and a little bit sad that he went through the process and he was normal for a little while. And now it seems like he's starting to lose himself a year later. You think it does something to a person's brain if you shove two giant metal spikes through it? <laughs> I th I thought so, but it didn't seem like it did at first. It's the fact that yeah, it fair. took a year for him to get to this point that makes it extra sad because it's just it seems like it's a gradual process of yeah. losing yourself, which is it's rough. I was like right after Justin said, "Do you think it affects your brain to have metal spikes shoved in your head?" I was about <laughs> to jump in and say, "More at 11. Exactly. Yeah, no, that that is like a local news segment intro. <laughs> local man Phineas Gage has metal exactly. spikes shoved to his head. Florida man. He did. Oh, he did. He literally did. That's true. I, I forgot the name. No, Finney's Cage. He shot that metal spike through his brain and be instantly inscribed himself in every Psych 101 textbook. Mm -hmm. Okay, he didn't shoot the spike through his own brain. It was a workplace accident, I believe. That is correct. He was, I believe, pounding railroad spikes. And there was some sort of accident involving, he was like clearing something out to then be blasted, but there was powder already in it or something. So he, he went to smash the spike in there and it kind of exploded and became a bullet through his skull. 
Yes. Yeah. I took Psych 101 like four years ago. <laughs> Aside from a drastic personality change, he otherwise survived unharmed and we're not yeah. really sure how that happened. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, human brains are weird. Back to the book. <laughs> Marsh's brain is also weird. And we also know Marsh is a human now because of that one epigraph. Do we? We don't know if Marsh is a human. We just know that there are humans. Yeah, Quan is the only human. <laughs> now there's a twist. But yes, we have uh, Marsh and uh, his unusual behavior that says it is definitely noticing, even if he doesn't say or do much about it yet. Uh, but Marsh says, uh, we need to go. The conventicle of Saran is empty, which Sazed knows was a uh, a ministry stronghold. Uh, and the fact that it is just completely empty now, according to Marsh, is quite significant. Uh, and Marsh also confirms that the mists are coming during the day and starts to, to kind of lean in on this theory that uh, we've started to workshop of the Lord Ruler was doing something kind of cosmically important. And now that he's gone events are going to occur but uh that's it for chapter seven and we'll see how much we get when we get back to this unusual traveling duo now i love that it is specifically the says at chapters that are all super short yeah, i wrote that in my notes i wrote gosh says at chapters sure are short yeah but i love i mean i don't love just because i want more says it but yeah i think everybody <laughs> does but they're kind of like traversal chapter like you're you're doing it to get an idea like okay here's Sazed, here's what he's gonna do we're not at the him doing things yet stage so right. i kind of get why they're short but right he needs they're... to go walk you know 40 miles or however far it is to get to the conventicle so let's go back to luthadel and we'll check back in when he's there <laughs> this is a tangent for future cosmere books uh but it reminded me of the the interlude structure of Stormlight books, which I deeply love. Uh, the way that Stormlight books work is they're in they're always in five major sections, uh, which focus on various combinations of the the viewpoint characters. Uh, but in between each part, there are a series of interludes, which are usually three or four uh, single chapters. That uh, it's either a brand new character each time. Or maybe it's one character who we check back in on occasionally. Uh, and Brandon has said they're literally, they're a way for him to kind of broaden the scope of the world without committing to an entire, you know, our, our main characters have to journey to this other place. Let's just see what one character's life is like for one afternoon over there. And then we'll go back to the main plot. And I really like fun, that. Fun little one shot. Yeah. All right, coming back, like I said, to Luthadel for chapter eight. Uh, short epigraph here. Uh, Quan feels bad for Elendi. Uh, it says that uh, the things that he has gone through and will go through uh, are not something that he'd wish that someone would have to do. So joining chapter eight now, we have uh, another extended Allomancy scene. Uh, this is... Vin is kind of just like using this as an excuse to... to shake some things off, both physically and mentally. Just have a have some physical exertion some alimantic I, I don't want to say fun but that's kind of what it is 
t- yeah. it, while she's patrolling around Luthadel. She can have a little fun as a treat. <laughs> she gets like two pages. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and what she's also doing is uh, kind of testing or sir of is this arrangement going to work? Uh, is he going to be able to accompany her on her nightly patrols? And yeah, so they have a, a whole big alimantic chase scene. Uh, and it turns out he can keep up. And she's kind of surprised and disappointed by this, which is really rude. <laughs> yeah, not not nice. Still done it's nothing just, wrong. It's bullying. Come on. There is kind of a, a creepy Watson dynamic here of... There's multiple <laughs> scenes throughout this section where she's moving really fast. And then it'll be like two seconds. And then she'll be like... Oh, and there's Orosaur. He's right there. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, he's doing his job well. He's keeping up. Yeah. Oh. Are you referencing the video game where if you pan around, then yes. Watson just appears? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, there's one line where he says, if you lose me, I will return to this point so you can retrieve me, which is the most video game NPC line it I've really ever is. heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've heard literally that sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Orser's mind is even changing a little during these circumstances. He is uh, uh, getting more capability out of the the dog bones than he thought he would. So he is becoming a very good dog. And we should all be happy for this good dog. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier, how Final Empire, there were elements of like, it flirting near being a YA novel of this like young chosen heroine and she's in a love triangle and blah 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 and this feels like another one of those moments where it like leans into it you've got this young chosen heroine and her talking dog companion isn't that great and I have to stop and be like he ate that dog yeah he did (laughs) she punched that dog unconscious and she dumped the dog in front of him and said eat that dog I order you by the contract and he said ugh fine and just a few sentences later we we see the major hang up that Vin still has of uh, Orser ate Kelsier's corpse and Vin still cannot get that out of her head Kelsier wanted him Kelsier also said hey eat this and then got slapped and died yeah this is this is not a (laughs) rational objection but it is still an objection that she has so Vin continues her alimantic rounds uh, is pondering about the uh, upcoming what she'll have to do to fend off uh, Straff Venture and the the army that he has (laughs) Uh, Sam's notes at this point are quote the fuck is a Merlin? Did this motherfucker just use the word Merlin twice in three paragraphs? <laughs> sure did. Sam, what is a Merlin? When you first read it, you sent a picture of Merlin from pa- Super Paper Mario? I think that's Thousand's favorite character. Yeah, that's my my Merlin. I don't know. Um, it's a it's a part of a castle. And like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there's a as i've learned from my own writing when you're writing about somebody interacting with something that normal people don't have an idea about which like castle architect i don't know bricks um there's a fine line between being pretentious and being like descriptive 
Yeah. And he has to, he has to walk that. And that I feel like he is um but Merlin. I don't yeah. know. I had to look it up. I would say using this, you know, twice within three paragraphs is a little bit maladroit of Brandon, but um I can forgive him for it. You know, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to spoil you on a prediction here. Uh this book does not have a single maladroit in it. Maybe not, but adroit has is mentioned in this section. Fair, fair, but there there is no <laughs> there is nothing maladroit. I, I that's exciting news, but it's also exciting to be like he came close. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, watching a video of uh, someone who is playing Minecraft on Twitch, uh, and he said that uh, he no longer builds castles because anytime that he builds a castle everyone in chat will start expressing their opinions on things that castles should and shouldn't have. Uh, and so he only builds legally distinct medieval defensive structures. Of course. <laughs> so anyway, uh, around the, the, the Merlins that are in Luthadel, Vin is continuing her, uh, her rounds and also doing some alimantic pondering. Uh, we get a name for the 11th medal, which I don't think we had yet. Nope, this is the first mention as far as I know. Correct, and in the same way that this book does not have maladroit, but does have adroit, now we have adium and maladium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we just don't have out adium. of adium, so we just yeah. have the maladium. Cut this part. We'll no, do. very good no, ladies is great. They've got some good buffs. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Vin is, is trying to puzzle out uh, Duralamin, seeing what she can learn about that, uh, when suddenly uh, her motion detector goes off and it is the Watcher, who we had uh, seen very briefly from a, from a distance previously. Uh, but it's time for a full-on Alimantic chase. It's been a little bit since we've had one of these with such stakes. And uh, they they do that all about Luthadel. Vin says he's very very good, uh, and it it's an an effort to to keep up with him. And we yeah is is that your sound effect for Vin figures out Duralamin, or is that your sound effect um, for Vin flies through Luthadel during a chase scene? No, my sound effect for uh, Vin figuring out what Duralamin does uh, I can't do because it would clip the mic and that's fair that. actually yeah so it's basically just screaming directly into the mic from two put inches it, away put it in your mouth close your lips and scream and that is the sound of duralamin <laughs> yeah so. sorry just before we get to the duralamin i do like that vin is just like tonight's the night i'm gonna do it you ran out of Adium. Why are you confident now if you weren't confident before? You have less yeah. resources than you did before. She's just got a feeling. She treats this guy different, too. And she thinks of him as my friend. Oh, yeah. She, this, I was going to say we were joking about her flying around having fun. This feels like it actually is fun for her. Um, this yeah, kind of 100%. This, this J sequence, which is, uh, uh, you know... On, on page 97, she smiles for, like, the fourth time ever. That, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, good on that. Uh, and so then, toward the, the end of this chase, we get some ill-advised elementic experimentation. Uh, thinking herself incredibly clever, Vin burned the 14th medal. Here's a bright idea. I love that line. 
<laughs> got a fucking idea for you. <laughs> Falls down <Yeah>. an alley. <laughs> yeah, she experiences a massive traumatic burst of all of the senses. And then nothing. Because her tin is gone. Uh, and so she has started to to figure some of these out. Uh, in that Duralumin, which she had burned before and it hadn't done anything, burning it alongside the tin sure did something this time. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the full details of that are going to have to be puzzled out later because right now her head hurts. Or Sir manages to catch up and she realizes that she's now out of tin and needs to restock. And it's a shame that Orser doesn't have like pockets or something that he can carry the metal with. Uh, but he's way ahead of her and just goes and grabs her belt with the metal vials. See, look, I'm being useful. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that for some unknown reason, Vin was right. And this is the night that, uh, well, she doesn't catch the Watcher, but they do actually meet. Because uh, he's come back. She sees his face. Yeah. And uh, off to a real good start here. Uh, he declares himself to be an enemy. Uh, she asks why he helped her fight off the assassins, and he says, I'm also insane. So, good start here. Yeah. What <laughs> banter. The and then Vin goes, nah, he's not insane. <laughs> That's a sane person. <laughs> you know how I got these scars? I'm just getting, like, person who thinks they're the Joker vibes from The Watcher. <laughs> really? I'm kind of... Like, I, I kind of... I like his vibes. He doesn't seem he didn't he didn't strike me as that brand of insane. He, he struck me. I mean, the obviously the phrasing is very much harkening back, um, but uh, a resemblance to Kelsier here of not exactly sure what this guy's thinking. He has some cool vibes, but there's he's 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 also just kind of clearly not on the same wavelength as everyone else. I do like the distinction, Sam, between being like the joker and being like someone who thinks they are like the joker yes because <laughs> that is different yeah yes it, it takes a special kind of person to declare themselves insane especially with that kind of like confidence about it why did you help me I'm fight also those assassins? Insane. because vin we live in a society <laughs> bottom text <laughs> The well of ascension was a mistake. <laughs> right, we'll we'll try to keep going. Yeah. So they uh, exchange a few words. He asks if Vin really did kill him, uh, with a capital H, with which Vin can actually hear him say. Impressive. Uh, and she says yes. She doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah, no, tin's all gone. It, oh yeah, she does get it. She does get that's, more from yeah, that's, that's right. Did you really kill him? Is that with a capital H? Yes. <laughs> then I did. Pretty much. <laughs> and then he goes. And we'll get back to that later, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Bye. You pretty much. And then wrapping up the chapter, we have weird Chandra body horror time. Yeah. Yay, Cronenberg time. Yeah, it's just a chosen young heroine and her talking dog. And oh, God, was it, what is it doing? No, please stop. Yeah, uh, because Vin is, is saying it's a shame you can't you know carry the medals with you. 
uh, and he says, watch this, and just opens up his shoulder. <laughs> Here's an idea for you. <laughs> I've got a fucking idea for you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, vials go in, it closes right back up, and we'll get to that later too, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, it's pretty self-explanatory, honestly. <laughs> and it has the bonus benefit of you can't push on it because it's yeah. inside his shoulder. It's yeah, in a body. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> Got to get a biologist in on this part, too. <laughs> now, where in the shoulder could he put a whole metal vial to not damage any bones? I bet there is some marsupial expert who could figure out how this would work. I, I think there actually is a consultant who would be able to be like, yeah, biologically, that makes sense for that to be there. And I. Th- this is based on some good old Brandy Sandy merchandise. Um, Justin, I believe you purchased for me from his store a vial of ATM for Christmas. Yeah. Those vials are tiny. They are way smaller than I had imagined them in the books. It's like half the size of my pinky. So it probably would be easy to get in a shoulder somewhere. I thought you were going to say, you got me that plush doll of Orosaur, and it came with the little shoulder holes. <laughs> and I cut it open, and I put in a vial. What are we even doing here still? It's a it's a plush doll of Orosaur, but it's just a bunch of gel covered in hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm asking, I was starting to ask Beth in our spoiler channel if they make these these plush dogs because if they don't that's a missed opportunity I, I it is but also wouldn't it just be a wolf that has holes yeah. in the shoulders wait you can you can uh have it glow in the dark with the skeleton that'd be fun so, yeah ooh. you look at its belly and there's some skeletons in it although apparently only one skeleton a at a time <laughs> and one metal vial i don't i think it's it's easy for us to forget that fundamentally Orser is a horrible Cronenberg eldritch monstrosity wearing the, <laughs> the body of a thing he ate. Stop mm-hmm. calling him horrible. He hasn't done anything wrong. This is just what he is. Listen, I listen, I know it's just who he and also there's a part right here, getting back to the book, where Vince says thank you and he just says don't thank me, the contract. Like they just refuse they can't get along, you know? Yeah, this this relationship needs some work. It needs some yeah. work, and I'm here for them becoming friends, and I really hope they do. But, like, Vin has treated Orosaur like shit for eight straight chapters, and then she says thank you once. Yeah, I don't think Orosaur needs to be like, oh, you're so welcome. I'm so glad we're getting along now. He has a right to be like, yeah, I'm doing it because it's my job. I, I, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still on his side here. But even if he just did, like, a nod or something... <laughs> Instead of, like, snapping back, like, the contract. He's earned some snapback, I think. Well, we've got another 600 pages. We'll see if Vin and Orser can manage to get along by the end. Chapter 12, Orser bites Vin's hand off. <laughs> We're going to, in the meantime, take a, an extremely brief diversion to Chapter 9 that is a whole two pages long. Uh, yeah. Also an epigraph that doesn't tell us very much. Uh, Quan is going back to the beginning of the story. Uh, and saying that he met Elendi in Clenium when Elendi was a young lad. And that's all we'll know for now. We get a slight detail. I don't think it'll end up being important, but a decade spent leading armies. We haven't really gotten a lot of timeline in terms of how long it's taken for Elendi to go through this journey. Um, 
And that that is worth noting that you know we spent ten years. Uh, That's fair. Gathering up armies and leading them, but um, yeah, still not a lot of like brand new information to go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we just get a quick uh, two pages as uh, our kind of odd couple pairing of Sazed and Marsh are journeying to the the conventicle, and this is just kind of Sazed musing on what has happened to Marsh. Yeah, and they're they're talking about implied horses. How they don't have any. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> my my theory to this before before Vin decked a dog, my theory was that this world didn't have any animals because Brandon had not described a single animal except for the implication that a cart was drawn by horses in a scene in Mistborn. And in this chapter, we have a lack of horses. Uh, we would have horse, but we don't have horses because we don't have them because they're implied. At this point, could it be assumed that horses are cryptid creatures that even Sazed and Marsh aren't sure exist, but they just wish that they existed? They're just shadows that you see out the corner of your eyes. If you look directly at them, you can't see them. I find it interesting that uh, apparently Sazed has uh, kind of explicitly taken it as a goal to uh, associate with inquisitor marsh because he noticed that a lot of people found that awkward and and kind of scary um and he isn't really sure how that's going because marsh is a very hard man to read even before the incident yeah he just wants to be his friend yeah and then marsh is just like yeah everything you've done in the past year people are just going to kind of forget about you should not be doing this yeah, it's a it's a weird chapter. Yeah, Marsh says that uh, you have things that you need to do in Luthadel that are much more important than what you're doing out here, and you're not doing them. Anyways, off we go to not Luthadel. <laughs> exactly. Well, Sazed, um, you know, he says his duty as a keeper is in teaching people, um, and I get that there's a certain disconnect there between, like, you know, should I be teaching them? Well, here's the thing. If you lose Luthadel, then you lose everything, and the whole thing is out the window. So, so, so come back to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh there are definitely priorities somewhere. Put a pin in it. Put a bookmark. <laughs> like circle, circle the uh the the drawing in the dirt and write save next to it, like we used to do on the the whiteboards. Oh yeah, back in middle school. In middle school, when it sucked. <laughs> Please stop. No, I can't. I'm not strong enough. All right, chapter break. <laughs> Where it's time for politics. Well, first it's time for Alendi's Tall. Yeah, that is true. It is time for Alendi is Tall. That's about all that the epigraph says. <laughs> yep. <laughs> As I put in my notes, Alendi big. Big equals must respect. Must so true, respect. He's not wrong. <laughs> they hated him because he told them the truth. <laughs> so yeah, we get to see uh, Ellen has attempted to do a politics. And we get to see what the outcome of that is. They have set up a, a kind of assembly chamber uh, in the former Canton of Finance headquarters. And... Uh, we see this mostly from Vin's perspective, and she's not 
all that interested in the uh, political logistics of it, shall we say. Vin's not interested in bureaucracy? What a surprise. I know. I do find it funny that um, it's we do get snippets of it. It's not the same as the speech at the end of Final Empire. Um, but once more, we get like, uh, this time we get a bunch of buildup of Ellen's been working on this speech um, for like eight chapters. And we still don't get to hear all of it. We get the intro and then Vin just kind of tunes it out. <laughs> yeah. This is just like a running thing of Brandon refuses to commit to actually writing a, a real political speech. But first we have to read about the political intrigue of people assuming Vin is Ellen's mistress. <gasps> She's his girlfriend. Isn't it public information that he proposed to her? He's not married. What do you mean mistress? <laughs> it's yeah, just that... a person he's in a relationship with. I, I guess like Luthadel noble society is kind of stuck in like if you are not officially courting or married or like there's there's only three or four categories that a romantic relationship could possibly be in she still but, has yeah, it's the a handkerchief weird. though right they are it's officially courting this is still in the one of those classifications but does she still have spooks too harlot that's the scandal <laughs> i mean i think she there explicitly it kept it exactly a scandal but yes we we get the the introduction to uh ellen's speech we we do get the the kind of central point of it which is uh please don't surrender that we should uh continue to try to see what we can do in this situation and not just give up to straff venture right away uh yeah and then we we tune out for the rest of it and then it's time for some uh parliamentary debate if we can call it that it it kind of devolves pretty quick all led by Phylon. This guy. This Master motherfucker. Phylon. He does kind of just like throw problem after problem at at this argument. Let me just snip two portions of my notes real quick. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> what a fucker. Yeah, pretty accurate. These are just my thoughts about Phylon. What a dick. <laughs> just a few. It's just, I don't know. He's, he's, he's an, an annoying kind of politician. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're told that, um, let's see, where do we see, just as one of the merchants on the assembly. Okay, we'll get more on him later. We also hear a few words from Lord Penrod, who is one of the noble representatives, uh, who makes the the point that I think a lot of people are thinking of I've met Straff Venture. I know what's going to happen if he attacks the city. <laughs> so and he's kind of the uh I guess the the reasonable authority figure right now of uh Lord Penrod. I did have in my notes as soon as I saw him start to agree with Ellen a prediction uh that I kind of retracted in a page later, but a prediction of Penrod as a narc um, I figured this was going to be some secret way of getting what he wants and, and working around Ellen. Um, but then like a page or two later, he's very open about why he supported Ellen. And it is indeed because it's in his own interests, but he is not really trying to be tricky about it. He just kind of comes out with it, which, um, 
Yeah, less suspicious of him being like a spy or anything, but uh, Penrod is his own form of dick uh, in in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, and Vin actually sees some of how this is shaking out as well, and and what she sees is that people are listening to Penrod more than they are Ellen. Which, if these are, at least some of these are former members of the, or I guess current members of the the Luthadel nobility. It seems understandable that they would listen to this probably older, you know, respected guy with a history of his, the way that his house operates versus Ellen Venture, that annoying kid. <laughs> uh, but they uh, they put it to a vote, uh, and we we see the way that this assembly breaks down with eight members each of the the nobility, the ska and the uh the merchants and uh, it breaks oh no it's a it's a political system we we've got a, a vote pretty much along party lines and the proposal is accepted to give ellen ex- an extended time to at least negotiate with Straffenture. as the the meeting wraps up uh, and ellen gets to rejoin his his friends Vin is continuing to be apathetic about this. Ham thinks that she should have some more civic duty. Uh, Vin says that uh, she already overthrew one government, and that's plenty of civic duty for for now. Yeah, that that covers you for at least a year. I think that's fair. Yeah. Or is it proportional to how powerful the previous government was? Like, would overthrowing Elland give you that kind of uh, leeway? Or do you get more points... For overthrowing the final empire she gets a thousand years of leeway for overthrowing lord ruler and then if she overthrew ellen she'd get just one year of leeway got it <laughs> go vote everyone it's important <laughs> yeah no legitimately so now as the 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 formal meeting uh breaks up there's some some kind of idle side conversations i wish this felt less like some milling about i want this to be a full-on walk and talk we are doing politics let's do politics yeah. politics require walk and talks they do have to stay in this room at least for a little bit yeah yeah they could just be walking around I a circle that's fine yeah <laughs> so as they are doing so vin has become suspicious of someone which is what she often does uh, there's a terrorist woman she spotted at the back who she is uh, suspicious of. I'm not sure how she could tell she was a terrorist woman. She's got a bright blue b- blouse on and a colorful red skirt, and nothing in that descri- description mentions any <coughs> V patterns. <laughs> I took a really deep breath to protect that as much as possible and immediately choked on my spit. <laughs> I saw the joke coming, but then you coughed and it made it a hundred percent funnier. Oh god. I usually cut coughs and, and throat clears and whatnot. I'll have to figure no, that no, one you out. Can't. That one stays. It's too good. I'm I'm gonna drink some water and mute myself, Justin. What happens next? Uh what happens is that Vin is paranoid and based on nothing but the fact that she doesn't recognize this person and they're staring at Elland, the king, uh, she thinks that this person is up to no good. Elland tries to distract her uh, by paying her a compliment, which throws Vin off because that's not something she's historically used to. 
And yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, Vin, but you can be a bit paranoid at times. I, how many times has her paranoia turned out to be incredibly valid? I, Most of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, we will have to see if there's a, a payoff one way or another for this mysterious terrorist woman. But now there's the arrival of a uh, an important note that gets passed up. Uh, it turns out that there's an army that's causing trouble, but it's a completely different army. We did know from the back of the book that there are going to be three, uh, and now our second army has apparently arrived. We've gotten to two. Our last epigraph of the section uh, is another one that uh, just kind of gives us a little bit of scene settings that Quan apparently uh, hired Alendi as an assistant for a few months, and that's how they began the relationship between the two of them great okay yeah could, could you and uh, could you get to the point there kwan he's getting <laughs> there he's getting given give him time he's got a lot of metal slab to work with he's got to fill it up somehow this guy's like osho you, you just wait for him to 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 drag out another syllable come on alendi or uh kwan like we... we've got another 40 chapters of epigraphs or something like that so he can take his time Oh, yeah, I mean, there is, there does seem to be quite a few pages remaining, so, okay, all right. Well, yeah, into chapter uh, 11, our last one of the section, we return uh, explicitly, like, right back to the opening scene of the book, with everyone up on top of the wall looking out at an approaching army, uh, but now it's a different one, and we heard the name last time, uh, and this is apparently... Uh, Ashweather Set, the one who sent the uh, the gang of assassins after Vin. <laughs> uh, and yes, up there on the wall, there are more Merlins. More Merlins. Anyway, Ashweather Set. Yes. So they're trying to kind of figure out how things are gonna break down here. Uh, it looks like the two armies aren't exactly friendly towards each other. And uh, so Elland has the very hopeful statement of maybe they'll attack each other which I guess they can all hope for. Uh, and they're trying to figure out what the uh, what what's going on here. Why has Set arrived? Uh, Clubs thinks maybe Set th- thought that he could reach Luthadel first and attack before anyone else did. And then as they are looking out, Vin with the assistance of Tin, so seeing things long before anyone else, uh, sees that there is a, a rider who is breaking from the army and then realizes that it's Breeze, uh, and he is being chased by archers. So something has gone wrong out there. Not just archers. Oops. Archers on horseback, and all the characters look to each other and go, Horses? I thought they were just a myth. <laughs> they were just implied. Hold on. They're still just implied, because they don't say anything about the horses here. They say that they're on horseback, but they don't... What, just... <laughs> what they else don't this... could that mean? We'll s- like they become not hypothetical in like a page, but no, yes. um... stop. How can you have someone be on horseback and not think there's a horse there? Vin is looking at the people on horseback. Yeah, she's standing up straight. Dylan's that's Breeze, Archer's on horseback, send riders. Um, but there's no like he he stormed ahead, hooves beating the dirt. <laughs> it's just there's someone riding toward us. You you can see him if you don't look right at him. Beth, you've read Stormlight. You've seen the chickens that are in that book. 
You never know. You shut your mouth. You don't give any credence to this. <laughs> I'm I cannot stand fun. alone here. <laughs> no, please. I I will prove my point by turning the page. Before we turn the page, we also get Ellen saying, oh, I wish I was an Alamancer. I wish I had one of the weaker ones, like copper or iron. Iron? I know steel I is that too. S- steel is cooler and probably more useful in a fight than iron, but like iron's still pretty cool. You could be a gold alamancer, Ellen. There are weaker metals you could be. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much he knows about the the details of alamantic combat at this point. Yeah, well if he took any uh self defense training, they might teach him a little bit. Maybe. Uh and so right at the the end of this section uh, Vin gets to actually implement implement a good idea with Duralamin and <laughs> just fucking blasts off. Anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> she yeets those horses out of here. Well, first she yeets herself. Oh, that's true. Does a uh, Duralamin assisted steel push uh, off of the entire like metal tower behind her and has to use pewter to not just like be crushed with this push and just launches herself all the way out to the army. Uh, fortunately she has more metals on her. So while she's flying through the air, gets to restock her steel so she can land. <laughs> yeah. This whole sequence was very cool. And it was also a lot of Vin yeah. being extra and, her being extra, I think, is a sign of her once more having fun, so I support it. I was gonna say, it's it, one, good for her, two, big Kelsier energy. Oh, and, yeah. And some of that yeah. extraness. So she rapidly inserts herself into the thick of this battle. Uh, an archer fires a uh, metal arrowhead at her, which is a bad idea, because she just tears the arrow apart and shoots the archer with his own arrowhead. And uh, like Sam points out, these horses are now actually not hypothetical. We we do see what seem to be horse parts that are combined into a horse. I still don't... How is horseback not enough, but horseshoes is? Explain that to me. Because they're talking about the horseshoes. They're, you know, um, I'm trying to... They were talking about the horseback, too! Vin was <laughs> looking at the, the people horse. on the horse! But there's cries of equine pain. They're making noise now. I, I do like, given the context of this previous conversation, it seems like the top of the page of 119 is specifically built to shut Sam up. <laughs> Pushes against the horseshoes of the two beasts, causing the animals to stumble. There are cries of equine pain. <laughs> you wanted That's horses? Right. You got fucking horses, boy. That's exactly right. Brandon the heard me. The horse-like horse stumbled maladroitly. <laughs> I know what horses are. I can ride horses. Can you actually? No. No, I'm, I'm being Brandon. I'm saying. Okay. Like, I know what horses are. I mean, that was one of the things that he hired an expert for at some point. Because people who care about horses really care about horses. Oh, boy. Is that is that true? Could that be true? A horse fan is really passionate about horses? Did you know that you measure them with your hands? He's also noted in uh, some of his sci-fi writing that one of the other topics that he consults with experts on specifically because of the fan base is guns. 
Because hmm. yeah. people who like guns have opinions about guns in fiction. Let me just insert another pistol clip. Exactly. I just started Assassin's Creed 3, and I'm very disappointed that there's now a reloading mechanic. <laughs> As opposed to previous games where my magical wrist pistol could just shoot with wild abandon. <laughs> <laughs> It was weird when uh, Brenda did email that horse expert, and the only question in the email was, are horses real? <laughs> <laughs> Can you see a horse? All right. I thought they were just legend. It is ironic that if you do look a horse directly in the eye, it actually is very dangerous. Yeah, they uh, they can fuck you up. They're big. They're big boys. They're big Several boys. hands tall. So, in the midst of these horses, uh, Vin conducts a dramatic rescue mission and uh gets breeze to to get to safety and they they reach the gate breeze goes through the gate vin goes over the gate because she can and she wants to be extra probably for no reason (laughs) she has to wait for breeze to come in before they can talk about anything there's no point it's so extra i love it it, it's she landed in the courtyard as breeze entered through the gate it was the exact same amount of time I don't know. I have definitely taken an alternative driving route that was longer, but has less traffic, just so I feel like I am yeah. making more progress. <laughs> Momentum. That's true. I did, Yeah, I've, I've done the same thing. There's also a performative aspect to it, because you're doing this in front of the opposing armies. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Aren't they all far away? Because the horseback riders all retreated now they're off i mean they were they were close enough for vin to be able to see them so presumably if there are ten eyes in the armies well yeah the ten eyes could the ten eyes could see that the mistborn who just fucked up all the horse soldiers can also jump over the gate and be extra and even breeze thinks that this was a a little extra uh even impressively breeze Uh (laughs) uh-huh well he likes it he says if if a rescue is necessary it might as well happen with style oh yeah yeah of course so, yeah, they uh, they get a, a nice happy reunion where Breeze hopes that Ellen is in good health and good humor. Uh, and Ellen says, well, health, yes, but humor, there is, uh, there is an army outside the city. And uh, Clubs, being very observant, says there's actually two. <laughs> Thank you, Clubs. Mm-hmm. He's helping. Breeze is like, oh, I didn't know about the second one I, that I just ran away from. That, as he mentions, he explicitly brought to the city intentionally. Galaxy brain. So, Ellen is uh, ever the optimist here, says that uh, Lord Set's on our side. Uh, and Bree says, of course not. He's here to ravage the city and steal the ATM supply. And uh, Clubs does, uh, does put it together, uh, which is that in the previous scenario where Straff's army was menacing them, uh, they were in a uh, a bit of a disadvantage as the weaker party but now that there are three each of which uh, are not individually powerful enough to defeat the other two now there's a standoff and now there can be politics to be played and it's it's kind of strange like obviously yes from a from a zoomed in perspective having two armies instead of one is still not great um, but it is ironic that Ellen seems the one to be the most upset about this. And despite Breeze not being in contact with Ellen, Breeze just gave Ellen exactly what he was asking for, which is just some more time to figure stuff out. Exactly. So yeah, now they, now they have, uh, they have a standoff. They have, uh, 
a more powerful seat in the negotiation despite being the weakest. Yeah, so Breeze explains that uh, he made a, a great effort to get the army here. Breeze gets to have his happy reunion with uh, with Spook, uh, who responds, was the wear of not? Of course, of course. <laughs> Everyone nods solemnly. <laughs> I think that is word for word one of the... Uh, um, the exact phrases he used to uh, make fun of Bree's last book. In the the scene where it turns out that like half the gang actually knows this and can speak with him. Yeah. Well, this might actually, I, I mean, now I got to double check. Um, this might actually be the thing that Doxon says that doesn't mean anything. Um, but uh, Doxon said was not, not of wasing is. is. Okay. All right. Never mind then. Mm-hmm. Just an edit. So that was perfectly in sync because to my ear it was, but to the waveform it wasn't. I will do so. <laughs> so before their uh, their their little reunion wraps up, we we find some more things out. Uh, apparently, Breeze's departure from the camp was uh, a little disagreeable. They uh, they had a falling out. Ham's theory is uh, Set must have caught you in bed with his daughter, and there's Breeze does not want to comment on that one. Just incredibly worried. hilarious if you, like me, are picturing Billy Porter as Breeze. <laughs> uh, we get to, Breeze gets a chance to meet uh, another new character, uh, who is a dog, uh, and interestingly, uh, Hi, Vin doesn't actually tell Breeze what's up yet. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a good boy. Oh, it's my pet Cronenberg horror. Exactly. All right, so that uh, that reunion wraps up and uh, vin and ellen head off in a carriage presumably one drawn by horses but we don't know and vin has to explain that uh, there's still some secrets to be kept so we'll we'll see how that goes and uh the the ride is is pretty uneventful they have some some talk with orser about the the contract and whatnot uh but the arrival is uh rapidly interesting because uh, it turns out there was a corpse in Vin's room and now things get interesting here well it gets very not that interesting at first I did I did laugh out loud at the initial reveal of uh, sorry I thought you were going to take care of this one <laughs> yeah yeah because the, the, the first reveal is that uh, there's the set of bones that Orser was previously using are still there. Uh, and so someone, one of the palace servants, just found this pile of bones and freaked out. And and yeah, Orser, is, I assumed that you were going to dispose of these. So whoops. <laughs> and another sign that I think they are starting to bond, Vin's not even upset about that. She just gnaws and is like, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we started, My we bad. did leave that there. Yeah. Um, second reveal of the seed is that our boy Demo is back. Demo is there. Demo, him what beat up Bilg. Him what beat up Bilg. Him he he continues Bilg. to exist. Yeah, and he's got a, a seems like a pretty important job. He is second in command of the palace guard, and uh, yeah, so Demo is going to quietly dispose of these bones, uh, and then says, "Would you like us to dispose of the other body as well?" Which is a great sentence to just drop into a conversation. Yeah, you could have led with, hey, there are two bodies. 
There's there's so much dark comedy in this scene from yeah. Orsers. I assumed you were going to take care of this to Vin pondering what everyone else thinks she was doing with the skeleton literally in her closet. Literally, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> then thinking, going into the I other ate body. the person or something. Yeah, <laughs> followed by the other one. Vin froze. Other one? Ellen asked no. slowly. Shit, that's the one I did eat. Ellen wasn't supposed to know about that but yeah they they request some privacy and confirm that this is almost certainly another corpse that has been abandoned by a chondra which means that a chondra has taken another body which means that somebody here is a chondra here being the the palace in general and this is this is what I I had referenced a couple times that in Well of Ascension there is a very explicit like mystery that the characters need to solve. Here it is. There is a yeah. there is a conjurer that is impersonating one of the crew, and that's a big problem. It's a big problem. It's very exciting. It's also a little bit sad because it means one of the people we know is already dead. It does mean that. But yeah. uh, it is exciting uh, to see where this will go. It adds a nice little kind of a secret invasion uh, hmm. paranoid everything, which I'm excited about. And it could be doubly exciting for you, Caleb, because oh, we'll get to it in the Rolodex theory section. Through the people who it could be, and Ham is one of them. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in the theory section. <laughs> but yeah, that is the at the very end of the part, that's what Vin starts to do is, is go through the, the checklist of who could it be, who can't it be, and uh, and I thought that I did a great job in the current cultural way of of people being uh, taken out and replaced by saying neither the word imposter nor the phrase among us, but that is the very <laughs> last word of the section. Dang it. <laughs> oh. I saw him in the vents. He's faking tasks. So yeah, that is, uh, with that, uh, I'm sure always going to be relevant cultural touchstone, that is where we wrap up the part here. Yeah. All right, yeah. So we are, I should do the math on word count as to how far percentage-wise we are through, um, because there are six parts to this book instead of five, though the last one is quite short. So, well, if I assume that I divided the episodes approximately equally... We are about 15% of the way through. So yeah, a, a good start. Yeah. Anything just uh, kind of in general on the section before we head into adaptation and casting and then I'm sure theories will abound. Yeah, I got a few theories, but nothing nothing before the casting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Where's, there's certainly some mysteries that have been set up and it's also clear that there is... You get the feeling that there's extra plots that haven't been introduced yet, just in terms mm-hmm. of the where the players are currently and knowing how much of the book there is to go. You, you, it's exciting knowing that there's still some more big setups that will happen as well, um, in addition to the ones we already have. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. In terms of adaptation, I'm always... Uh, the first question I, I'm trying to make myself ask is okay animated or live action like what kind of format is this mm-hmm. and orser's whole deal 
is a point in the animation column. <laughs> sure is. Because <laughs> yeah. as we were talking about earlier, trying to CGI that dog to talk and not look stupid would be a, a very difficult task, which right. I'm, I'm sure folks are more than up to. But I instinct says would definitely read better in animation. A fully animated landscape, yeah. that is. If you're worried about looking goofy, you can always take the same solution that the low-budget version would do, which is just don't show Orisur's mouth when he's talking. Either have the camera away <laughs> from him, or if it's a really cool line, it's a close-up on his eyes. And uh, yeah, you just don't even really have to worry about it. I mean, you probably Perfect. could. Just get a really well-trained dog. <laughs> get him in there. You probably could get away with a decent amount. Like, even if you did have the, the budget and the skills, you wouldn't have to put a lot of focus on it. But if you did want to yeah. go kind of high budget, high realism, you would want to have at least some scenes of that. One thing I think that is interesting to note while we're talking about types of adaptations, um, I think I mentioned this way back when we started talking about Final Empire adaptation. Um, but Brandon has said that in his kind of dream scenario, uh, Final Empire would be a um, a feature film. Uh, well of Ascension would be a miniseries or a, a season of of television, and then Hero of Ages would go back to a, a film, hmm. which I think is a, an interesting contrast. Where I, th I think he wanted for Well of Ascension, uh, you get more overall runtime. And you get a, a kind of different pacing of uh, tension and and breaks and whatnot that allows more of the politics to play out. Yeah, the politics storyline, as well as this kind of murder mystery element, having recently seen Only Murders in the Building, which is a murder mystery uh, show, um, definitely can lend itself to um, the kind of more gradual reveals that a TV show can handle. Um, obviously you can also do good murder mystery movies as well, but you kind of have to focus the entire movie on that in order to really like sell right. the story. Um, and this has so many different plot lines going on that I, I think I could kind of see it, um, being a show instead. I'm just curious if that's ever like happened before. I like, obviously you have like superhero franchises where you'll get TV show spinoffs, um, but most of the time you can watch just the movies and it'll be pretty right. coherent. And then you also, on the flip side, have anime, which are uh, generally shows that will occasionally have spin-off movies. But speaking from experience, the movies also you can just kind of skip and they will not impact the plot of the show at all. Um, and I don't know if there has ever been a franchise that has had both the movie and show be required viewing. Because if you were to watch, I'm assuming, if you were to watch the Final Empire movie... And then the Hero of Ages movie, and not watch Well of Ascension. Oh, there would be make some a lot things missing. There would be yeah. some things missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think I mean of any, this is the one that we're most likely to get an answer on soon. Uh, and mm. I believe that what we've heard is by the end of this year we should have real concrete news on some sort of adaptation. So, let's uh, let's see what that is. Concrete news is that HBO has canceled the Mistborn movie for tax purposes. God no. damn it. You can't. We've lost so much already. Just also, to there. put a... Uh, before we jump into casting, because we should get to that, to put a date on this recording, uh, this morning I pre-ordered The Lost Metal, so looking forward to that. 
oh i should do that uh it's this was the the signed hardcovers ah so if if you want one of those and the signed and numbered ones are probably all gone yeah no i'm uh i'm a what i would describe as a cheap bitch so i don't there need you that. Go. <laughs> same z's how about a two dollar ebook Hey, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Actually, no, I prefer hard copies of yeah. Sanderson books, especially, but the cheaper anyway. ones. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, we had a uh, a very slow uh, introduction to the, the casting and adaptation section last episode. It was a lot of familiar folks, but we've started to, to expand the cast here. So I'm uh, looking forward to what... Uh, what we have and i know sam you said that uh spook with uh his year of uh, of changing you uh have a new a new face for that i do it's it's continuing in the proud tradition of dachshund uh my new spook is pete crow armstrong i love it yeah (laughs) cubs prospect tall lanky pale dude Overall, seems like a pretty nice guy. So up and coming, exciting talent. Yeah, that's right. Just like Spook. There you go. There's my new Spook. Because Brandon recast him. Sure did. After his years studying abroad. I am appreciative though that we did get more baseball players in the cast list. Yeah, (laughs) gotta. You gotta. All right. Um, Do you want me to keep rolling from there? Yeah. Yeah. We'll. uh, All right. We will continue on. So uh, after that, we got The Watcher, who we've finally seen. Um, I'm going to go with Jack Quaid for The Watcher, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Huey from The Boys. Uh, and a, he plays a few other people in a few other movies, um, including uh, the character of Spoiler from the new Scream movie. So Okay. He plays Mr. Scream himself. No, you can't. I, it's a spoiler. It's, it's him, John Jeez. Scream. Oh no! <laughs> John it's Scream parentheses twenty twenty two. That's first, middle, and last name. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got uh, Phylon the cast. What a dick! Uh, what a fucker! <laughs> what a fucker! Um. So my Phylon is uh, Justin Karitsky's. Um, because you need a seller who sells oh weaker potions. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the potion seller video! Listen, he's a merchant, right? Maybe he's a potion he seller. He, he is a merchant, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's a common refrain. It is, you need a seller who sells weaker potions. Get out of here! Uh, now beth most of the times our messages to each other follow a pretty standard conversation we'll it'll be a lot of back and forth um there's not a lot often where we will just completely out of context send something to each other (laughs) i do believe you just with pretty much no prompting sent this video to me at one point and (laughs) it has haunted my dreams ever since i don't know why i did that i'm sorry (laughs) It really is an, an internet masterpiece, though. <laughs> I used to do that back when uh, uh, the the Apple had like that cheap as shit uh, like video editing program. 
Um, I made I made a video of myself as like an angry son, like S U N, because I already am an angry son, edgy. Um, but uh, but I made a video of myself as an angry son in a in a blue sky, and it was stupid and dumb and not as funny as Justin Kritsky's. So, God bless you, potion seller man, you sh- you strange person. So there you go. Uh, there's my filin. Uh, Penrod. I went with Tristan Gravel, a.k.a. Farazan from Rings of Power. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. So, I thought that'd be an interesting one. He kind of brings a sort of quiet knowledge. Okay, yeah. Aura, you know? He's the one who you actually listen to. Right, exactly. He's the one worth listening to as well, clearly. I mean, he, he knows a thing or two here. Mm-hmm. And he's sticking around for a reason, so there you go. And not just because the gates are closed and barred, maybe. <laughs> um, and then I, I have a, a breeze revisit uh, because we we talked about this person, and I'm starting to see him more than Andy Circus. Uh, I like Matt Berry. Yes. All right. This was Beth's casting. Matt Berry. All right. It yeah. was. It was my friend's Jack. My friend Jack's casting. <laughs> And apparently, Your friends all and, named and Jack. My my friends plural Jack. Um, no, it was Jack telling me that the internet liked Matt Berry as Breeze, and my mind was immediately blown. I I still love my my Billy Porter casting, but I I would certainly not be upset by by Matt Berry in that role. That is that is a good choice. Every time you say Billy Porter, I have to look him up to remind myself of who he is. How could you forget with those fits? So that's my casting. Those are my my five right. people. A a baseball player, uh <laughs> three actors, and an internet meme. <laughs> the three genders. <laughs> There's lots of overlap between those categories. Maybe less so the baseball player, but <laughs> You could argue that Matt Berry's kind of a meme. But... I would. <laughs> yeah more meme than man (laughs) (laughs) all right uh i think that pretty much does cover it for uh new people uh caleb do you have overlap there or anyone who we were forgetting it's well i uh, a little bit of column a a little bit column b it's there's a lot of interest in that it's interesting that you said casting has opened up because i actually only have two more set in stone after the two from last chapter, which of course was uh, Orasur and Jeb Bush as Jed. Right. Um, yep. I am, uh, I will actually bring it up in the theory section, but I'm going to reserve casting on the Watcher for now. Um, I would okay. like to get a little bit more information before I cast him. Um, and I think it will become clear why uh, when we get to the theory section. But uh, regardless, um, it is. Very interesting that uh, Sam brought up uh, Farazon as uh, Penrod, because not only do I have a, a Ring of Powers, uh, a Rings of Power casting in this uh, chapter section, I also strongly considered Farazon, but not for Penrod, uh, for Philen, because uh, Farazon is this kind of gets the people going so that they do what he wants. And I, I don't think his job isn't being a traitor, but he kind of um, struck me as kind of filling out that uh, uh, archetype a little bit of 
sort of a man of the people, but also the speech giver who's in charge of things. Um, it's not who I ended up going with, but it's just really interesting that we both thought of the same uh, actor who has really only been in one thing that we recognize um, and then put them in separate roles. Um, but regardless, um, for Penrod, uh, I do have Charles Edwards, who plays Celebrimbor in Rings of Power. Um, I think he brings that kind of dignified nobility feeling to things, um, and I could see him uh, kind of arguing in front of a crowd for the nobility's interests. Um, so uh, that's uh, what I have there. And then I didn't go with Farazan's actor for Felen. I went with Eric Bogosian, who uh, I know best from Succession. He plays one of the he plays the main senator character, um, kind of in the supporting cast, um, but. Uh, I've, I've seen him play a member of Congress who is good at riling up a crowd and getting people on his side and, and, and arguing with people. So figured he'd be a decent fit. Um, so that's who I have for Philen. Um, and then I do have a tentative casting that once more, I, I have a name in mind, but I won't say who it is. Um, but we are currently in the middle of reading a series that's divided into three chunks. Mm-hmm. And towards the beginning of the second chunk, um, a mysterious tall woman has entered uh, the cast, and I will wait to find out more, but uh, I have an idea of who could play that role based on previous things I have watched. Okay. I will put an, a blank spot on the list, and we will get there probably pretty soon. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. A giant woman. <laughs> God, this picture of... Of, of Mr. Potion Seller is just staring at me. I can't. I need to scroll down. Yeah. Back away now. You dug your grave. Now get in it. I'm looking at the <laughs> Wikipedia article for Eric Bogosian. When his picture is a little goofy looking on there. He's 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 a he's 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 a kind of interesting looking fella. Mostly in that he is like weirdly grinning for this photo. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's, it's a there's look. the man. <laughs> He looks impish. He looks like he knows something I don't know, and I want to know it. And he'll never tell you unless you can solve his riddles three. (laughs) Or buy of his potions. God. All right. Well, we will see. Uh, We've got a couple of of spots on the cast list that we're hoping will get filled out soon. Uh, I imagine Ashweather's set is going to make an appearance pretty soon. I mean, I don't have to imagine I know, but... I also have a... Well, weirdly, I have a, a casting decision for him as well, but I should wait to actually get any physical description of him before yeah, I... Yeah, we, uh, we have literal nothing. After after my, oh, Jeremy Irons could be a really good Lord Ruler, and then, oh, he's supposed to look very young. Uh, I'm going to hold the phone <laughs> on that. All right. So, uh, we are now at the point where we can perhaps... Uh, start making some more in-depth plot predictions. Uh, We have some questions like, how are these two armies going to interact? Uh, Who is this mysterious watcher? Uh, And the big one of who's the Chandra? Uh, And probably some other little factors along the way. Uh, Sam, do you want to lead us into what you've been pondering over? Sure. Uh, So... The three kind of yeah, medium-range questions I wrote down were, uh, what are they going to find in the conventicle of Saran? That's uh, a good one. Why are the mists coming in the day? 
and who is the watcher. So, uh, conventicle, conventicle of Saran is going to have some additional mention of the deepness. I'm picturing kind of like how Vin just returned with a book with ninja stars in it from her trip to Credit Shaw. Like, there's going to be something like that in, in Conventicle of Saran. Um, if they're partic if he's particularly poetic, maybe it'll be like a mural or something, showing something that they didn't know before. Okay. Um, uh, I think that the Ministry's gone from the Conventicle uh, because they're going to the well, uh, mm. maybe to have one of their own ascend. Because um, they presumably know some of the details of how that all works exactly well i mean it's their religion everything right so yeah um this could be either a way to rest advantage or it could be a way to you know in their minds you know save the world or whatever by having somebody else ascend so that they can keep the deepness at bay whatever but mm -hmm. um the uh the luthadelians are going to have to send their own party to get there for two reasons. Number one, you don't want the ministry to have the new Lord Ruler. And number two, you got to stop the deepness eventually anyway. Right. So, there you go. Um, that's the Convinsical of Saran. Uh, I think that the mists are coming during the day due to the return of the deepness. Um, I believe that, I mean, if, I feel like that's pretty obvious uh this is something to do with the deepness um i think that burning at him in a certain way not just in general kept it at bay which is why there's no adium and critic shaw i think i've said that a few times now but you know just yes reiterate theory from your your previous segment um i think that the shadow vin saw is an element of the deepness um and i don't think it's sentient i think it's sort of like just a hive mind or a Borg-like thing. Like, its only goal is to take over. Um, so, once it takes over, who cares? It's my world. Go away. <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I think that the Watcher is obviously an, an, a new character. I think it's someone who lives in the city. Uh, I don't think it's someone from Straff's gang. Um, and I think it's somebody who doesn't really want Vin or anyone dead, um, except, you know, maybe Straff or other people threatening Luthadel. Um, but, you know, w when he said, like, why do you protect them? You know, pointed up at Keep Venture or whatever. Right. Um, he, I think this is someone who likes, you know, loves Luthadel, but hates the the nobility kind of deal. Um, Some kind so of, like, know. rogue element of the, the underground Right, yeah, so, something akin to that. But um, if this person wanted Ellen dead, then Ellen would probably be dead. He can, you know, at least sort of outrun Vin. It, it would be if, you know, Vin tried to save Ellen from an attack versus the Watcher, it would end kind of like, um, what, like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he puts out the Ouch. web and... And stops Gwen, but her head just doesn't stop her quite. Off the floor. <laughs> yeah, so it would be something like that. Like, oh, you almost stopped the Watcher from killing him, but not quite. That was actually the the boing sound effect you made at the beginning of the episode. Oh, That's no. what I was referencing. Ugh. 
I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Rest in peace, Gwen. Um, all right, and uh, let me see. So the second Chandra, the the spooky Chandra, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna say probably is Ten Soon, uh, Straff's personal Chandra person. Um, who is the only other Chandra we've seen? Yeah. And it would fit with, you know, the, they're, they're not exactly a common thing. Straff is knocking at your gate. He would know the, like, architecture of Keep Venture. So would know that you could hide something like here and not just, you know, any other old room, whatever. Okay. Um, so there's some kind of knowledge that that, that brings. Um, so that's the identity of the Chandra, but it's not who the Chandra is. Right. Who the Chandra is, I don't know. But here's the thing. Um, th- surely there's a way. You have the bones. C- could you not, like, lay out the bones and figure out at at least? like They have the old bones is the trick. The bones are from the previous body. That yeah. Oh, from the yeah. previous body. Yeah, oh. that's... Chandra is, is wearing the bones of the current body. <laughs> they're, I see. They're all up in okay. there and they glow in the dark on the plushie. <laughs> ah, all right. Um, but... Uh, wasn't there mention? This is one of those things where I don't know if it was because they know the nobility in general, or because they know something about Chandra. But wasn't there mention of obligators being able to sniff out Chandra in Mistborn? Like we can't let obligators too near Renault. Yes, that that was discussed. I don't think it was ever clarified exactly what that meant, but Kelsier did say. Renault can't go to the party because there would be um, obligators or inquisitors there. Uh, and that was never really elaborated on. But people in universe knew what that meant. I don't know if they knew the details, though. So yeah, maybe it's something like that. Maybe they'll uh, <laughs> they'll drag one of the obligators that inexplicably they let remain in the city um, <laughs> and be like, hey... Which one's a Chandra? Point them out. <laughs> All right, get out of here. So, I don't know. Um, I, I have no prediction yet as to who is the Chandra because we only just found out that someone was a Chandra. So there That's you go. fair. Yeah. Popcorn Caleb. All right. <laughs> um, I have some, uh, some probably won't happen, but would be interesting ifs. Um, I have some questions that are really just clarification because I'm stupid and forget things. Um, and then I have some, some, then we're, then we're, then, then buckle up. Um, but first thing is, um, <laughs> probably won't happen. But will be interesting if on the cover of the book, Vin's holding a giant sword. Vin is definitely holding a giant sword. Now on the side that is facing us, the audience, it appears to be a fairly standard sword with nothing else on it. The question all comes down to is Brandon Sanderson, a berserk fan, because they keep talking about this slab of metal that's being hammered into and it would be really really cool if vin found a sword and then she realizes oh it could barely be called a sword it was more like a slab of metal and then she sees that there are engravings on the sword and it's both sword and lore that would be very cool it probably won't happen but it would be interesting if it did Ooh, i have noted this prediction down as lore sword hell yeah <laughs> Um, another thing that I think might end up being brought up, but I don't think it will end up being particularly important, but it is an interesting detail that, um, 
I think it's Vin, but someone asks, hey, Breeze, did they try to kill you because they found out you were a spy? And Breeze doesn't say yes. He says, let's just say we had a falling out. And then there's the joke about, ah, because he slept with his daughter. And then they just move on. And it's just interesting to me that Breeze didn't say yes. He clarified that it was a falling out. Um, So I'm just curious if we'll get more information on exactly what went down with that interaction. Um, Again, I don't know if it will end up being very impactful to the plot, but I wonder if it was not as simple as, oh, they found out that he's actually running to the city and now they're going to try and kill him. I'm just interested to break that down a little bit more. All right. Um, now I have some clarification questions. Um, it's been, it's been, okay. So we got the eight medals and they're in pairs. Yes. And then we got our special extra four of, we got, we have golds, we have adium, Mm -hmm. we have mal adium, Mm -hmm. and then we have aluminum. And then we have Duralumin. So we have yep. we have 15, or not 15, we have 13 medals right now, I think. And I might be forgetting another one. I don't know. But get, Golds and Adium, no, Gold and Maladium are the ones that actually seem linked. Because one gives you visions of yourself and one gives you visions of other people. And then you have Aluminum and Duralumin. But then we still don't really have a counterpoint for Adium, I don't think. Or is it that, I mean, as the names might indicate, that that Atium and Malatium are visions of someone else's future and someone else's past, and that they're linked that way. And then gold is the one that we're missing a pair for. Okay, well, if that's the case then the the gold alloy would let you see your own future potentially which is something that we should keep in mind so i will Anyways. i will lodge this down as the metal chart doesn't make sense right now <laughs> currently there are there are clear there are intentional holes missing that the characters have not really brought up yet and i get that vin is doing research and she just got duralumin and she's figuring that out but i'm just pointing out that like we still have some slots that need to be filled and connections that need to be made. And Keep going, girly. <laughs> with this conversation... I'm going to be a real-life science nerd for a moment and talk about the discovery of the periodic table where there were plenty of, of scientists who had arranged the elements in order uh, by their weight. Uh, but what... Uh, Mendeleev did that was so revolutionary was he said they line up a lot better if you put gaps in here so that they arrange themselves based on similar properties and the reason that you have those gaps there is because we haven't discovered those yet yeah so which was a, a bold theory to say no the chart actually looks like this and it's not wrong everyone else is wrong we just haven't found all the rest of the details yet so, yeah, there, there's definitely something funny about the, the Alimantic chart as we know it, if your, your pairing up of the metals is, is accurate. And we'll see how many more we find. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I guess based on that conversation, yeah, I will just go ahead and put that theory on the board that whatever is paired up with metal, uh, with, with gold, will allow you to um, see your own future. Probably not in as, like, a 
super convenient plot device way as it sounds like it would, but still in a way that could potentially be useful. That's my that's my that's what I'm putting on the table. Okay. Um, all right, moving on. I got got three more things to go. Um, uh, two of them are going to take a while, <laughs> but first one is the conventicle. Um, I don't really know what they're going to find in there. I didn't put too much thought into that. Um, I think Sam's got some good ideas there, so I'll I'll, I'll piggyback on that. Say he's probably he's probably on the right track there. Um, I just haven't really don't have any thoughts in that regard currently. Um, and yeah, what Martian says that don't really talk about is hey, if it's empty, that means the people that are normally there are going somewhere else, which is concerning. A little bit. Um, Sam said, uh, ahead to the Well of Ascension, and I think, hearing that theory, I think there is merit to that, because whoever ends up going to the Well of Ascension with Vin, it would make sense to put more of a ticking clock on it if there's someone else racing to get there first. Um, but my thought was, we're still missing our third army, and that sure could be it. Um, so, that is what I am positing, is they have headed off because they are trying to retake Luthadel, potentially with some Coloss, if we pay attention uh, to some of the theories I was uh, putting out a couple episodes ago. Um, still don't know what they are, but... That would be a pretty terrifying third army. Yep. And it would certainly shake up the let's-see-who-strikes-first plan. Because um, <laughs> uh, from what we understand, which again is not a lot, if you bring in the Coloss, you're not really looking to take anything over, you're just looking to destroy yeah, and if if that is combined with Inquisitors, uh, that's a really capable army. Yep. Okay. Um, and if that ends up being true, that means I was actually pretty much 100% right, because my guess was the three armies are the Inquisitors, Straff, and a third character we haven't met yet, which would line up perfectly with what we've got. Um, but uh, that's, just, that's just a theory for now, so we'll see. Um, I... I hate myself. Anyways, um <laughs> What for referencing Matt Pat game theories in the year of twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, not proud of that. Anyways, um next thing I'm gonna get to is actually uh spy time, imposter time. Um obviously my heart as again, he's one of my favorite characters, but just based on previous experience, my heart wants it to be ham. Um, because it would be very funny <laughs> if it does turn out by the end of part one of this book, Ham has already died a horrible, tragic, painful death. But it was off screen. Um, we off-screen. don't find out it was, for it another was off screen, 20 chapters. Making it even more tragic that he got fridged as well. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And just looking back, um, so we have a couple of safes. We know, we obviously know it's not Vin. We know it's, we know it's Probably not Elend, but it technically could be Elend. It's anyone who's had missing time between when Vin was last in Keep Venture and when they got back. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of assuming Vin and Elend kind of stuck together for 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 most of like whatever they're doing. So probably not Elend. Um, definitely not Orasur. Um, and it's not Breeze. Um, could be pretty much anyone else um we know ham was at the debate so he does have a little bit of an alibi but we don't know if he accompanied them from keep venture to the debate so there could be some missing time there 
Um, and then, yeah, it's noted that um, could be clubs, could be uh, Lesterborns. Um, Ham's been missing. No, sorry, not Ham. Doxin's been missing. Um, I will actually say I don't think it's Doxin, just knowing how stories are written. I think they're going to try and lead us to think it's Doxin because he was missing for the longest. Um, and then it's going to turn out that that was actually a red herring and that Doxin is clear. Um, but uh, that's my guess there. Um, and couple of little details it is worth noting that a it, it it's it's notable that vin did not tell anyone about orasaur not because i think that's a secret not, not because i think that says something about vin necessarily but plot wise um it means that um none of the people who are potentially a contra know that orasaur is also a contra mm. that is a valuable detail Yes, so my guess is that Orasur will end up being very important to solving this mystery because uh, he is currently the only unknown um, from the uh, spooky Chondra's perspective at this point. Um, and I do think it's also worth noting, just keeping in mind who to be suspicious of, Ham does comment on, hey, that wolfhound is pretty well trained. Huh, Vin? Um... And then the scene just kind of continues from there. Um, but um, yeah, just worth noting that Ham is Ham picked up on uh, the wolfhound's weirdness, um, which could mean that that thing I just said meant uh, they're already uh, on the trail. Um, I hadn't thought about the fact that it's ten soon, but that actually makes total sense. And I I I I gonna piggyback on that theory as well. I think that that checks out. Um, but yeah, I hadn't even really thought about the fact that it might be a, a contra we've already met. Um, but that's my thoughts on that. I think that's one of my favorite parts of these theory sections is that when one of you two proposes a theory uh, and the other person is like, oh, that's that actually definitely sounds right. Yeah, yeah I, I hadn't even thought about that. But that's that, that's yeah, that's all. Listen, all I'm saying is you can fix this. All you got to do is draw blood from everybody and put a hot wire into like a Petri dish with their blood. And if the blood jumps out of the Petri dish... That's when some weird eldritch thing happens. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Cronenberg thing. I was like, what yeah. sort of blood magic are you talking about? It's the thing. I also want to say that it is a a personal crusade of Beth and I. Uh, we do know the name of the Chandra that is doing this impersonation. And so our goal is to not say it accidentally. We're going to try our very best. <laughs> We're trying so hard. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so those are my thoughts on that. And I have saved my biggest theory for last, which is oh the identity of the Watcher. Um, okay. I have a question that I don't think I want answered because it will either ruin my theory or will strongly uh, support it. Um, but the question I am wondering that we haven't really gotten a straight answer on is about how old is the Watcher? Um kind of get the feeling that he is a young adult um but if we could get more specifics that would help me determine more strongly whether or not i might be onto something here um but i have i'm shooting for the fences a little bit this one might be one that's completely wrong but i'm gonna go for it anyways um my thought is that this watcher character might potentially be reen now i have a couple of disclaimers i know what you're thinking audience one reen's dead yeah we got told he was dead <laughs> We also got told Marsh was dead. Marsh is fine. Marsh definitely is still here. 
There's precedent. <laughs> Two, I know the audience is screaming at me, God damn it, Caleb, we've explained it to you like four separate times. Just because Vin is a Mistborn doesn't mean Reed is also a Mistborn because they were half-siblings. I know that. I know that going into this. I, I remember that. I haven't forgotten about that. Like, I forgot it the first three times. But there's still a possibility that he's a Mistborn. It's, it's, it's possible. That's all I'm saying. Um, we don't know who Reen's father is, and there's a chance that it still is the Prelin, because why would Reen know who his own father is? Um, so, and, and it also just could be some other noble, because, yeah, who, who, we don't, it, who knows? Who knows? Possibilities. Could, Lots of possibilities It could be Reen. A couple of the other reasons I'm thinking this might be the case is because Vin does say his face looks a little bit familiar, which to me immediately says, okay, he's somebody's brother, or he's somebody's cousin, somebody's son. He's definitely related to somebody we already know. And I think it would make sense for Vin, who is so focused on keeping herself out of the spotlight, and probably, obviously she knows what she looks like, but probably doesn't spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. Probably Wouldn't not. really be able to recognize her own brother slash half-brother if she hasn't seen him in 10 years. Um, so I think it would make sense why she would see potentially Reen and go, looks a little bit familiar, but I can't place it. Um, I think, I don't know what Reen has been up to, but I think that also checks out with why doesn't he have a mist cloak? Well, clearly he's been off doing his own thing. He's not part of the whole Mistborn society thing they have going. It's also unclear where mist cloaks really come from. Kelsey just kind of gave it to Finn. I don't really know what the yeah, deal with mist cloaks is. Yeah, there's like... There's a whole industry of between mist cloaks and like vials of very pure metals. There's a very niche industry out there. Yeah, at the very least, we know there are blacksmiths that are helping with the metals. But like, who is the tailor that makes the mist cloaks? I want to meet that guy. Um, <laughs> I want an interlude about him. And we also have the Witcher. The the Witcher. <laughs> we also. <laughs> I cast Henry Cavill as the Walker. Um, <laughs> We also have like a spell. I cast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also have the watcher pointing towards Keep Venture and saying, "Why do you play their games?" And knowing that Reen went through the same basic childhood that Vin did and was growing up on the streets. um, Obviously, we know Reen was not the greatest, and we know that he beat Vin, but he probably received some beatings of his own based on what we know about their their uh, history. would make perfect sense for Reen as a grown-up character to be like, why is she helping the nobles? This is this is really silly and doesn't make any sense. And I think with that in mind, it also makes sense why he would say, oh, I'm an enemy, while also very clearly not wanting to kill her. Um, so, I don't know. I just think there's not a ton of evidence to go on. It's just I, I, the things I've noted have been, have been like, oh, that kind of checks out. That could be the case. And I also just think this would be very similar to my big Kelsier or Asur thing that I did correct the piece together. I just think this would be a very interesting thing to add to the story. Um, so uh, that is another main reason why I'm kind of putting some chips on this is I just, I think that would make for a very good story if that's where it went. Um, so that is uh, my thoughts on that. Um that's pretty much all I got. In about half as much time as the Kelsier Orisur theory, that was four minutes, 20 seconds. I'm glad you were timing it. Nice. Also, I, yes, I nice. have a lot of stopwatches just laying around for Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, thought, <laughs> I might as well use them for comedy, too. <laughs> Caleb just must have 
that reinvent relationship. It's gotta be a thing for <laughs> I don't need for it to be wholesome at this point. I just think this would be a really interesting addition to the story. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It certainly would. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm looking forward to where we go from here. We have uh we have some potential long term predictions. Uh, we have some that might pay off sooner than that. Some probably good like mid-book ones as well. And uh, we'll see. I'm trying to remember. There's one that's going to pay off perhaps sooner than you'd think. Looking up the chapter summaries real quick to see if it's the very next episode. Can I make a prediction? Go for it. A prediction about your Well, I don't know. Actually, now that you now that you say next episode, that actually makes me more hesitant. Um I do have a feeling because it's a different type of story than a murder mystery, but it would still be a very good story. I think there is definitely a potential that we, the audience, find out who the imposter is way before any of the uh, main cast does. That would be a, uh, a a very interesting mood to be set. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of dramatic irony. Especially considering you guys apparently are very... Uh, holding back on the Condra's name, um, I would imagine we then end up hearing the Condra's name a good amount, um, which would make sense if we see a chapter from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be very interested to see that. There's also a JoJo scene where you do see something from essentially an imposter's perspective, but it still doesn't reveal who they're being an imposter of. Um, and I could also see it going that direction. I think that would also be really cool. You can't do that too much. Otherwise it starts to get cheesy of like, wow, there's a lot of details being omitted just to keep the mystery up. Um, But I could also see that occurring for a short chapter, and I think that could be fun. All right. Well, we've got uh, the beginning of uh, part two ahead of us. Uh, Episode-wise, part two is going to be the the biggest bulk of our our cast of this book. We're going to be spending four episodes on it. So quite a bit to get through there, and I am uh, looking forward to what we get into. Yeah. We've got some characters to meet that I'm very much looking forward to. For sure. For sure. Uh, Looking ahead to our next segment uh, in specific, uh, and in fact, all of the segments for part two, uh, they're going to be four chapters. So starting with 12, 13, 14, and 15 uh, for episode three. So that is what we have upcoming. Start on that as soon as we sign off, if you want. I'm I'm really torn because I'm two episodes away from being fully caught up on critical role and i really want to get caught up on that but i also really want to read more well of ascension and now i have to make it sophie's choice of which one is more important for me to read immediately slash consume immediately that is most (laughs) definitely an accurate comparison it's the difficulty of those choices yes i you have to understand how much effort i've been putting into getting through critical role as much as possible i have i have breezed through this thing so i could get caught up and now i'm so close at Breeze, but I also want to get back to Breeze. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll probably just do a little bit of both tonight because I'm I'm <laughs> eager for I'm eager for eager for more. Mm. And I can either read this book or practice my qualified business income deduction calculations. I was gonna say you could you could <laughs> do a book or you could, you know do adult things and progress your career and ed- education and all that. <laughs> oh. Yay. Yay. 
It's fun being me. With that very, very cheery note, uh, I think <laughs> it is time to wrap this episode up here. Uh, we are going to be posting it on our website as usual at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, we'll be looking at our email, and that's at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, and remember, the email box is vetted a little more carefully by Beth and I. So if there's future spoiler-laden discussions you want to have, that's a, a fine place to do it, and we'll take a look there. Uh, and also, as we've been debuting this new season of sorts, uh, you can find us <laughs> on our various social medias, uh, Instagram at alwaysanotherpod. And on Twitter at always another pod. Thank you, character limits. Because <laughs> it was one letter too long. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else that I missed? Uh, I don't think so. I'm gonna go burn some gold so I can make fun of uh, middle school Caleb. Um, but that's about it for me. <laughs> Good pastime. <laughs> I don't need to look into that dark mirror. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not fun. I'll say that much. <laughs> uh, I used to be a horse girl. This episode was painful for me. <laughs> Big confessions here at the end. All right. I used to be really into cryptids, too. All right. I Bye. Think we, yeah, we'll wrap things up here. So long, everyone. <laughs> My potions would kill a horse, let alone a man. <laughs> <laughs>